0: All
1: right.
0: All right. We got some space now, so if you want to move to any area in the place where some wind, some air hits you, you'll be a little cooler. Go ahead and do that now. What we're doing this week, as Mark told you, we're going to add AC, an AC condenser blower, to that heat unit, and so that that'll blow cool air into the lobby, the bathrooms, and out of this unit into this whole. Side So that should add about two tons of AC to this sanctuary. Amen. Eventually we'll go for the whole, you know, full thing, but we got to do one thing at a time. Amen. So are we ready for the word this morning? Come on, high five somebody and let them know I want to hear something real. I came for something serious. I'm not playing games. I don't I didn't come here to be tickled. I want to hear the word of God. Come on. Come on. Encourage them to go visit someplace else if that's not what they're here for. Let somebody next to you know, I want to hear the word of God. So don't talk to me. Don't distract me. Don't text me. Don't Instagram me. Don't Facebook me. Don't request me. Don't Vine me. Don't. I'm running out of those, those apps. I don't know. We need an app, Leave Me Alone in Church app. Maybe we should, we should come up with that. Amen. Alright, we ready? We ready for the quote? Get your Twitters and Vines and Tweeters out again one last time. That was hypocritical, right? Let's, let's use it for good, though. Come on. Here's the quote this morning. Either the world will break you or God will... It is inescapable. The difference is, when the world breaks you, they discard you. When God breaks you, it's to use you. Mm. Mm. Let us pray and go home. When God breaks you, it's for a greater purpose. And when God puts you back together, you're better than you were before. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for your hand on our lives, for your hand on this church. Thank you for your hand on our children, on our families, God. Father, we submit to you today. We put ourselves at your feet today. We submit to your word. We submit to your ways. We submit to your will. Touch us. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I want to welcome those of you again that have been with us last week through our Kingdom Rock VBS. We broke some amazing records for ourselves, this, this, uh, this VBS. But for me, the one thing that I always love to see, the one thing that touches me the most, the one thing that to me is the biggest God-sighting, and blesses my heart more than anything is to watch a team of over 60 volunteers go from being help to being family. Come on. You I don't expect everybody to understand that, but those of you that do understand that, b- bless God, amen. I said it in my last message, love is a battlefield. But there's a bond that's formed in the battlefield. It's more than a group of people wearing the same t-shirts and singing songs together. It's more than just a few church people doing churchy things together. It's, It's something happens. It's a bond that's formed when different people come together for the same purpose. Come on. Press in with me. Press in with me. Don't get distracted. It it didn't matter this week how many kids showed up. It it didn't matter how hot the building got. It didn't matter how tired everyone was by day three. Amen? You should have seen the workers just greeting each other. That that was the, the greeting for everyone. It was like three, day three. Day three. It wasn't hello. It wasn't good morning, good evening. It was day four. Day four, man. Day four. And then, and then things change on Friday. Day five. Day five. Everybody. The excitement is like day five, baby. It didn't matter what was happening at home, what was happening at work. It didn't matter what we had to go through to get here. There was a bonding that's formed in the battlefield. Amen. It, it's a bonding. You can't understand looking at it on Facebook. You can't look at pictures and see it. You can't listen to a story or two and get it. It's a battlefield thing. Amen? Come on, workers. Tell each other, it's a battlefield thing. You, you just wouldn't understand. These, these, these volunteers, they were frontline soldiers in a war for our children. They didn't give up. They didn't give in. All week long, they stomped and sang and shouted, Prayer helps us. God's love helps us. Friends and family help us. Trusting God helps us. Amen. Here's the twist for today. How do you stand strong when all goes wrong? There's the title for today. There's the twist. We've been been doing a message series titled Best Practices. Amen. A best practice is is a way of doing something that has consistently shown better results. So best practices are just habits are, are the best way to get things done. And so we've been doing a series best practices. I, I want to talk to you today about standing strong when all goes wrong. And let me tell you right off this, the, the, the bat, I wish I could give you some simple answers for this. How many just want like a quick answer? Right? Just give me a, a, a give me two aspirins, a glass of water and send you on your way, man. And, and hopefully everything will be good. But I don't have that for you. The word doesn't give us things like that. The word does give us Best practices that teach us that'll help us to stand strong when things go wrong. And so I'd like to use an example in scripture of a man who stands strong when everything goes wrong. It's the life of Joseph. Say amen. amen. Joseph started out as a pampered, spoiled, well to do, rich son. He who lost everything. He had everyone turn on him. He was hated by his own family. He was sold and betrayed and lied on and unjustly convicted and discarded. He was unfriended on Facebook. He was People stopped following him on Twitter. They stopped uh, unfollowing him on Instagram. Joseph was a man who saw some hardships. Can anybody relate this morning? When the rain started in Joseph's life, The storm didn't pass for 13 years. Somebody say, tight life. 13 years. The difference is, and what sets Joseph apart, is that Joseph was a storm survivor. Let me tell you something about storms. Storms are going to come to everybody. Say amen if you've been in one. Storms will come to everybody. The difference is not everyone survives a storm. Come on, so it's Sometimes, this one's not going to get any amens, but swallow. Sometimes, the storm you're praying to God about, God is the one that lets you walk right into it. Here's a quote from C.S. Lewis, hardships often prepare ordinary people for extraordinary destiny. It's okay, I, I expected it to be quiet. Some of the most incredible things, listen, that God will do in your life come when you're the most unprepared the most unsettled, the most confused, and the most uncomfortable. Sometimes God has to make us uncomfortable before he can comfort us. I'm preaching now. I don't know about you guys. But if I was hearing this, I'd be... Sometimes God has to make us uncomfortable. I'll give you another shot has to make us uncomfortable before he can comfort us. He, he does it so that we can learn to rely on the comforter. Oh, come on, I'm going to step on toes now. See, food can comfort, but food is not a comforter. Drugs, drinks can comfort. Go ahead, say amen. You can do it. You're embarrassed now, right? Drugs and drinks can comfort, but they are not the comforter. Money can comfort. Amen. That's good. That's all right. Amen. Money can comfort, but it is not the comforter. Spending, shopping, ladies, shoes can comfort. but they are not the comforter. i say this one low because we're in church. Sex. I don't want to embarrass anybody. Relationships. They can comfort, but they're not the comforter. Amen? Here's best practices for standing strong when all goes wrong. Lean on that which can sustain you. Lean on something that can hold you up. Oh man, that's good stuff. Too often we take comfort in that which wasn't intended to be our comforter. And sometimes God will strip us of that false security so that we can be secure in Him. Okay, I'm going to start preaching now. Genesis 37, the life of Joseph. We start hearing about his life in Genesis 37. You can turn there and make sure I'm not making things up. I'm not going to read the scriptures, but you can read and you can uh, make sure that what I'm saying is in there. We're going to talk about the life of Joseph today. Some of us are always saying, how many of you ever heard somebody say, "I I got the worst luck in the world, man. Something bad is always happening to me. And I I hear that in church all the time. Family, can we leave that luck stuff to fortune tellers and gamblers? Uh, Come on, man. Am I talking to somebody? That luck stuff, we don't run on luck. We don't run on luck. We're children of the king. We don't run on luck. I don't need luck. I don't need a luck charm. I don't need a luck this and a luck. I don't run on luck. When you ask God to order your steps, everything you go through is for a purpose. Everything you experience can serve a purpose. When you ask God to order your steps, the word says in Romans 8:28, all things work together for good. To those who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. How many things work together for good? Good. Three people paying attention. Amen. All things work together. You mean everything that happens to me can work together for good? All things. You know what that means in the Hebrew and the Greek and the Aramaic and the Latin? It means all things. giving you language lessons. Come on. Now listen to me. Does that mean that every stupid thing we do was part of God's purpose? Does that mean that every dumb decision I made, every mistake, is somehow part of His plan? You wish. Not at all. But can God bring purpose out from even our biggest mistakes? All things can work together for good. Amen? So for those of you that think you've had some bad luck, I want you to watch this. Joseph was 17 years old. 17, man. That's like, like the best time. I mean, not for, when, when we're old now, we think that wasn't the best time. But when you're 17, you're thinking, man, this is, this is life right now. You don't have the responsibilities of job and, you know, you got maybe a little little job and those $25 you make a month is just to buy stuff for you, you know? So Joseph was 17 years old and we get an idea what kind of teenager he was. It's easy to see from the first few sentences in Genesis 37 that Joseph was the favored kid of his father. So Joseph was Joseph-focused. Joseph, you, you ever meet people like that? Everything is about them, right? Everything. Like, you, you, you tell them, man, my car just got stolen. I just, well, well, you know, if I had a... Everything turns about, bro, my car, I'm just talking about me, man. Shut, you know? And they always want to bring it right back to them. Like, no, but they don't want you you, you... you know the people I'm talking about. Joseph was Joseph-focused. He was self-focused. Everything was about... Listen, when everything is about you, you got a you problem. So the first story we read about Joseph, he was with his brothers, they did something, he came back to rat his brothers out to daddy. How many of you love that brother? It's fair to assume his brothers aren't too crazy about him, right? As a matter of fact, (coughs) because Israel, his dad, had, had Joseph so late in life, Joseph was his favorite To show that he was his favorite, he made him a robe of many colors. Now, you have to understand, a robe like that, it signifies favor. It means that he was privileged. A robe, people that worked don't wear robes like that. This robe was down to the the wrists and down to his ankles. That means he's never going to have to work a day in his life. He just walk around in a robe. He only gave that to his youngest son. It symbolized the favor. His brothers saw him in that robe and they hated him. Amen? So, so in my opinion, Joseph's dad set him up to fail right from the start. He starts out being this pampered son in a rough family with some serious issues. Best practices for raising kids, family on the side, don't play favorites. It only messes with the self-esteem of the other brothers and sisters and it also messes up the favorite. Amen. If All right. The beauty of this passage, if we can find any beauty in it, is that God has a plan for this family and he was going to use Joseph to fulfill it. I've heard this preached a lot of times and it's always about God has a plan for Joseph. No, God had a plan to save, to sustain and to redeem his people. He was just going to use Joseph. Amen. Watch. So in order to use Joseph, he's going to have to break Joseph. This is the part we don't like, right? I hear people pray all the time, God, use me. God, bless me. God, give me the anointing that he has. Give me the anointing that she has. Let me, let me be a blessing. And, and that's a great prayer, but understand that when you pray that prayer, you're saying, God, and, and you're, you're putting your lump on the potter's wheel. And you're saying, God, put your hands to me. God, cut me where I need to be cut. Push me where I need to be pushed. Slap me where I need to be slapped. Pound me where I need to be pounded. Cut away what needs to be cut away. Come on, that's a powerful prayer. So let's take a look at young Joseph. Joseph has this dream, and this is where God starts working with him. Joseph has this dream where God is setting him up. And he runs, and he tells his brothers, he says, Guys, guys, gather around, grabs all... All the whole bunch of his brothers. Guys, grab around. I had this incredible dream last night, guys. And they're like, yeah, what's up, Joe? He said, "I, I had a dream that we were all binding sheaves of grain, and my grain stood up strong, and all of your grains, they bowed down to mine. Yeah, great story, Joe. Brothers hated him even more. Then he has another dream. And, and, and the, the poor kid, he, he, he didn't learn from the first time. This time he grabs his father and all the brothers. He gets everybody, guys, guys, I had another dream. This is so great. I had a dream. This time the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars representing the brothers all bowed down to me. Isn't that a great dream? Hated him even more. The father said, what are you saying? Your mom and your dad and all your brothers are going to bow down and serve you? Best practices for those of you into dreams and prophetic visions. Sometimes God gives you dreams. Sometimes God shares something with you that's just for you. Come on. So, sometimes God gives you stuff that's just for you. Keep it to yourself. If God tells you today, you go into a prophetic room or, or, or God just shares something and speaks to you through it. And God tells you, that company that you're working on, you're going to run that company. Take that, say, Amen, God. Amen, I receive it. Do not go to work Monday. Gather your employees and supervisors. And say I had a dream this weekend. It was so great. I'm gonna run this company. I'm gonna be all your bosses. And then get mad at God when you get fired that afternoon. Amen. Sometimes, and then say God, eh? God doesn't fulfill. God's a liar. God, no, 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 no. God was giving you something. God didn't tell you to go drop that on anybody else. Amen. Let's be discerning. All right, let's move on. <laughs> When God drops something heavy on you, don't talk about it and try to unload it on others. If God gave it to you, you have to carry it. Come on. Let's go back to Joseph. So one day, the father sends Joseph out to check on the brothers to see how they're doing tending the flock. So notice the brothers are working and Joseph is the foreman. The young kid is the guy in charge. He's going to go check on, on everything. So the brothers are working. They see him coming in this, his colorful robe. But, you know, today that would be a little... But anyway, they see him coming in this colorful robe, and they say, yo, here comes that dreamer. Let's kill that kid. And, and some of the brothers are like, yeah, let's kill that kid. Yo, we are going to kill that kid? Yeah, we should kill that kid. And one of them says, we can't kill that kid. Daddy loves that kid. Let's, but let's throw him in a well. And so what happens, they, they see him coming, they take him, they take his robe off of him, and they throw him in a well that had no water. So he's now in a pit. And what, ha- what do they do? They go and they eat lunch by the well. So, say, that's cold. Come on, that's cold. So they throw, they take off his robe, they say, look at you now, without a robe. Now who's favorite? Now look at you. And they throw him in a pit with no water, and they have lunch. And a one of her brothers says, we can't kill them, man. that loves him." and, and you know, he was trying to save him. But a- anybody here ever been betrayed by your family? You ever been discarded and thrown away by people that were supposed to love you? How do you stand strong when all goes wrong? Let's look at this story. So the brother said, we're not going to get blood on our hands and kill him. So here's what we're going to do. The brother saw some merchants coming down. They said, let's sell him. Let's sell our brother as a slave. And so they sell him for 20 shekels of silver to these merchants that were passing by, these Midianites. They take his robe, and I'm sure with great pleasure... They tear it up and tor- have it all torn. And then they dip it. They, sack it. they they kill a goat and they dip it in the blood. So, I mean, this is a picture even in Genesis of, of the Messiah. His robe of righteousness dipped in blood brought to the Father. To co- oh, come on, man. Y'all ain't ready for that. So, so they, they, they take this robe covered in blood and they bring it to the Father and they play themselves. They say, Dad, is this Joseph's robe? It looks like, like I can imagine everybody else had robes like that. They say, is this Joseph's robe? If this is his robe, it, it looks like he got killed, man. This sucks. And, th- and that's where it stays. The father mourns, everybody, you know. It's a, it's a, they brought him his bloody robe. Say that's cold. So meanwhile, <coughs> the merchants that he was sold to as a slave, Joseph is a slave now. The merchants that he was sold to resold him again to Potiphar, one of the Pharaoh's officials. So he sold as a slave twice. Imagine being a rich, spoiled kid one day and being sold twice to a foreign people of another culture as a slave the next day. Sounds like the worst possible thing that can happen, but watch this. Genesis 39 says, The Lord was with Joseph. And he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him and did, and, and, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in the eyes and became his attendant. Listen Potiphar put him in charge of his entire household and he entrusted to his care everything that he owned. And from that time, he put him in charge of his household and everything. And the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. How do you stand strong when all goes wrong? Here's the best practice. You have to trust God. You have to know that God said... He will never leave you. And He will never forsake you. So you stand strong knowing that even in the storm, God is there. Come on, if you've ever been there, say amen. You can scream, you can yell, you can kick and cry and resist all you want. You can yell, why God, why? All day. Anybody been there? You can get angry. And plan your revenge for the next 15 years. Anybody been there? Or you can stand in the storm and be who God called you to be. Did God call Joseph to be a slave? No. He called him to be a leader. But listen, to be a great leader, you're going to have to learn how to serve. Best practices whenever you are in a storm, whatever you're called upon to do, let the favor of God shine in you. That means there's no place for attitudes. There's no place for anger. There's no place for pity parties. There's no place for complaining. There's no place for gathering some people off to the side and sharing your story a hundred times. There's no people for gathering a bunch of people over here and sharing how, how bad and how everything, oh, poor me, and then coming over here and poor me. You don't think people get tired of hearing that same story every day? Here's the crazy part. You're the Christian and you're telling people at work. And they're saying... That's the God you serve. You think I'm going to go to church with you on Sunday? For what? For what? Why would I go to church with you? Why would I serve your God? You're always complaining that everything's going wrong. Amen? All right, that'll catch up to you. So be faithful where you are. Bloom where you're planted. So let me fast forward the whole story because we don't have time. This is what happens. Check this out. He's in charge at Potiphar's house. Potiphar's, he's in charge of everything there. Potiphar's wife thinks he's a papichulo, and she Instagrams him. She Facebook requ- requests him. He denies her Facebook, her friend request. Because he knows that ain't right, man. Potiphar put me in charge of this whole house. He said, everything is mine. He didn't mean his wife. And and so Joseph said, that would be a sin to him, and that would be a sin against my God. And so he denies her friend request, and he avoids her, but it looks like she plans this out. And and what happens? One day, she catches him, and she she says, come on, poppy poppy baby, let's go, baby, and and entices him and seduces him. And he says, no, no, I'm not going to sin like that and he jets the, this is the only four letter F word that I encourage you all to do flee flee when it comes to sexual things like this flee, when, when you feel like you're in this place where you're going to compromise flee, that's not the place to stand strong, that's not the place to quote a Bible scripture and say oh the Lord has not, no, flee break out If God thought you were strong enough to withstand sexual temptations, he would tell you to stand. God says, flee. 2 Timothy 2, 22 says, flee, youthful lusts, flee. Don't try to withstand it, amen? Okay, so he, she, she runs off, she grabs his clothes, he leaves his robe, he's like, bam, and he, leaves, he runs off in his, his Joe Boxers. He leaves his his outfit there. So the second time, he loses his robe. Say, that's a tight life. The second time he loses his robe, she gets so offended. You know, women get mad when you, you know, know, anyway, let's not get into that. That's a whole nother message. So she gets so mad, she cries rape. She says, Rap, rape, rape, Bring all the, all the servants come in. Everybody comes in. And they say, look, he tried to rape me. I got proof. He left his clothes here. He gets arrested. He gets falsely accused and arrested. He gets put in prison. But he gets put in prison with the king's prisoners. So he goes from the house as a slave to a prisoner now. This is not getting better, right? Sometimes it looks like we've moved from a bad place to a worse place. Anybody idea with that? Sometimes we go from, from being a slave to being a prisoner. Sometimes we go, we think things are going to get better and things get worse. Come on. I'm not talking to anybody today. We go from the house to the jail. We can say, that's the worst place you can ever put me, God. And, and I didn't even do anything. Or you can trust that God is positioning you for power. I know this takes a little maturity. This takes a stretch. This takes you to say, really? Really, God, I'm still going to trust you? Really? You bring me from this to this, and you still want me to trust you? You still want me to serve you? The word says, yes. God says, yes. Believe that I'm doing a work in your life. Believe that if I was with you in Potiphar's house, I'm going to be with you in the prison. If I was with you in the pit, I'm going to be with you in Potiphar's house. And if I was with you in Potiphar's house, I'm going to be with you in the prison. And it takes some maturity. It takes a stretch. I understand that. But, but he says, God, God is positioning you. Sometimes it feels like everything is getting worse but you have to kind of change your attitude toward it and understand that God is moving pieces into position. See, when you serve God, he's working things out for good. Sometimes in the hard places, God brings connection. All right, here's where it gets crazy. Come on. So even there in prison, God was with him. And what happens? He gets put in charge of the prison. Somebody said, yo, Joseph's life is amazing. It sucks. It sucks. But it's amazing, because no matter where he gets put into, the favor of God in him brings him in charge. So he was in charge in Potiphar's house, he gets thrown in prison, and they make him in charge of the prison. And so one day the king's cupbearer and the king's baker, those are people that work directly with the king, with the pharaoh, they get thrown in prison. How I many you know, God is setting things up, right? And so then one day, those guys have dreams, and and they're perplexed with these dreams. And Joseph now, he's not Joseph-focused anymore. Joseph comes into the prison and notices that these guys are depressed. The Word says he noticed that something is wrong with these guys. They're they're down. And so he tells them, what's wrong, fellas? This is not the same Joseph that before was all about me. Hey, guys, I had a dream. I'm me. You're going to bow down to me. I'm the man. This is a man now that he's, he's people focused. God is breaking him. God has been molding him and shaping him. And so the, they, they tell him the dreams, and, and God, God gives Joseph favor, and he interprets the dreams, and he tells them straight up. The baker, he tells the baker, Your dream means that you're guilty and you're going to die in three days. <laughs> Sometimes a man and God got to deliver the hard stuff. Amen? And he tells the other guy, Your dream means that you're innocent, and in three days you're going to be released. And he tells him, and when you're released, remember me. Tell the Pharaoh about me. See, God gives us wisdom. We need to use connections where God provides connections. Amen. Some of us will stay, we'll stay in our pity party. I'm just gonna stay in prison until God opens the doors. If God and God will bring people all around you to make connections, God is doing something, but you're too busy being so holy and scriptural. Oh, I'm just going to stand here until God himself appears and opens the doors. But meanwhile, God is sending people. We got to, a- a- amen, amen? So God, so Joseph tells him, remember me when you get out. We got to fast forward. There's a long story. We're coming down. So Joseph says, remember me when we get out. The cupbearer gets out, gets so excited, forgets all about Joseph. Two more years in prison. Anybody angry yet? Two more years in jail, we could be fighting, yelling, and screaming, saying, God, why? Where are you, God? But one day, Pharaoh has a dream. I love the way God set things up. See, God doesn't work on our timetable, amen? But he works well. So, so one day, Pharaoh has a dream, and Joseph is remembered. The guy says, oh, man, I forgot. This dude interprets dreams. God talks to him. He's a man of God. He, God listens to him. And so he's remembered. He, they bring him out. God uses Joseph to tell the Pharaoh, listen, your dream means this. There's a famine coming. There's going to be seven years of surplus and seven years of famine. You have to prepare during that surplus for that famine or everybody's going to die. And so get the Pharaoh's so impressed that Pharaoh puts him in charge. Come on. He goes from the pit to Potiphar's house, from Potiphar's house to the prison, and now he's the prime minister of Egypt. Come on, man. I I, I know some of you are not feeling that. You're like, I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to go through that. I I just want my life to be smooth sailing. I want to serve God, come to church on Sunday, and everything go well. Sometimes God has to break and remove the comfort and remove the security so that you can learn to be the man that can be the prime minister of Egypt. See, the Joseph that walked around in a shiny coat, he couldn't run Egypt. This Joseph can. So Pharaoh puts him in charge and and Joseph sets the plan in play that stores and prepares, prepares people for famine. Fast forward to make a long story longer, his, his brothers eventually His brothers are eventually forced to come to Egypt, stand before him, and ask for help. How many of you say, it's payback time, baby. This is payback, baby. Look at you now, huh? Look at you now, huh? No, that's not Joseph. His brothers are eventually forced to ask, He could have had all the payback he ever wanted right there, but he goes back and forth with them, eventually saves the entire family, saves his people, saves the nation, and preserves the lineage of God. Listen, sometimes we thought what we thought would destroy us completes us. Oh, come on, somebody got a... Somebody better receive that today. Sometimes what we thought would destroy us builds us up and makes us a better person. Sometimes that hardship that we're in the middle of, we think this is the end of everything and this is only the beginning. Amen? The caterpillar thinks it's over and then he's a butterfly. That's not the most masculine illustration, but you you understand what I'm saying. Worship team, come on, let's give them hope. So, by 7 at 17 he was sold into slavery. By the age of 30, he was the prime minister of Egypt. For 13 years, he had to learn how to serve. He had to learn how to not get bitter. How do we stand strong when all goes wrong? He had to learn how to not get bitter. He had to learn how to go (coughs) from being Joseph-focused to being people-focused. He had to learn how to forgive. I know that's a dirty F word that we throw around in church all the time. That's a hard thing to do. He had to learn how to forgive. He was given opportunities To show if he had released it and trusted God or not. And he had to pass those tests. That's how you stand strong when all goes wrong. Now I want you to look at the weight that rests on this bad luck story. Watch this. If Joseph's brothers had never sold him to the Midianites then Joseph would have never gone to Egypt. If Joseph would have never gone to Egypt, he never would have been resold to Potiphar. If he was never resold to Potiphar, Potiphar's wife would never falsely accuse him of rape. If he had never been falsely accused of rape, he would never have been put in prison. If he was never put in prison, he never meets the baker or the butler of Pharaoh. If he never meets them, he never would have interpreted their dreams. If he never interprets their dreams, he never would have interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. If he had never interpreted Pharaoh's dreams, he never would have been made prime minister of Egypt. He never then would have wisely prepared for the famine that was coming. And if he never prepared for that, his family back in Canaan would perish from the famine. And that means that Judah His brother dies, and that means that the lion of the tribe of Judah is never born. And if the lion of the tribe of Judah is never born, that means the Messiah can't come forth from a dead family. If the Messiah never came from this dead family, then the Messiah, Jesus, would never have come. And if Jesus never came, then you and I, were dead in our sins. And we have no hope in this world. Oh, man. What good can come from the storm that you're in right now? Let's bow our heads for a moment. What part of the process and the plan of God are you in right now? It would have been easy for Joseph to do what we so often do just write off his present position. Because things seem so bad, we can just say nothing's good, nothing good can happen where I'm at right now, man. Either I put myself in this storm or God put me in this storm or I made mistakes or or God is doing something, but nothing good can come from where I'm at right now. But Joseph believed God could bless him right where he was. And so he didn't wait for a better situation to be blessed by God. I believe some of you came today so God can tell you, God can bless you right where you are today. God can comfort you right in the center of your storm. Because when you trust God and commit to Him, all things work together for good to those who love God And to those who are called according to his purpose. Let's just take a few moments right here.
1: If that's you today, if you're saying I've been going through the storm, all hell has broken loose in my life, I don't know how I'm going to make it. For some of you, you don't know how you're going to make it one more day, but you're saying I'm going to take a stand for God. The enemy is not going to move me out of my place. Whatever the cost, if everyone else around me walks away, I'm still going to stand for God. I'm not going to run. I'm not going to be pushed back. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand up. Take that stand right now. If you can't stand here, you're not going to be able to stand when you get out there. Do something. If you're in the prayer team, I want to ask you to come quickly. And, and here's 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 a picture I got. If if. If you're going through that storm and you're determined to stand, we have people here who will stand with you and pray for you right now in your situation. So if that's you, the Bible says there's power in agreement. See, that's why we come to church. We we could sit home and listen to the sermon, put on nice music and sing, but the Bible says, with at least two come together. There's power when they agree. And we want to believe that your circumstance is going to change. So we want to invite you, and, and though we want men with men and women with women. And these up here... They're just going to take your hand and you tell them the one thing that you need breakthrough. The one thing where you're saying, I'm standing for God, but I need help. See, sometimes you can't do it alone. I I can't do it alone. That's why I come to church. I'm not strong enough to do it by myself. This stand we're talking about. It's about an army. It's not about one soldier alone. So wherever you are, I, I want to invite you to come up right now. We want to pray for you. We're believing that God's about to shake something in your life. You, you, don't, need, you don't need to go home today with, with the same mess that you came in with. Come Something's on, come on. gonna break loose. Something is going to happen today. I just saw that picture. Yeah, yeah.